Hey everybody, it's Charles Marks with uh, another episode of From Inside My Car. And uh, it's been a little bit since I've done a podcast. And the, uh, the real reason for that is I didn't, I didn't really have anything uh, meaningful um, to talk about. And, um, you know, while I really want to make this as authentic as possible... I think talking and regurgitating something that is already um, been hashed out a million times in our industry is talking out of the side of my neck is not what you guys want to hear. I know I don't want to. So, you know, I just haven't had anything um, on my heart to share and um, until today. So there's this this item I, I want to talk about I heard a term today called retail Darwinism and I've been wanting to talk about this for a while and I just had no idea how to talk about it uh, completely accurately you know in in a way that made sense to anyone that isn't inside my head you know I didn't know how to put it in words. But retail Darwinism, and for anybody that isn't familiar with Darwin, what we're talking about is survival of the fittest. All right? It's a really nice way to say it. And, you know, the big boxes came in, the big box stores would come in and put the small Main Street guy out of business, right? And now the internet's the bigger, bigger box, and it's putting the big boxes out of business. And now the Main Street guy is has an opportunity. So I think a couple things. Um, the what we'll refer to as legacy business models, the way that Dad did it. And grandpa did it if we stay on that track we will go out we won't make it and this really doesn't matter if you are a road traveling salesman like me a retail store owner which I am now or soon to very soon to be if you are a pawnbroker, coin dealer, I don't know that it matters. I think everybody has to um, rework their business model and be damn serious about it. And if we're coasting on our talents um, and we're coasting on our good fortune, maybe we have a good situation in, in our town... Um, you know, a buoyant market. Maybe we don't have a lot of competition. But resting on our victories is we're headed for trouble. And, you know, I think a few things um, right off the bat. I think one of the best things that we could do is just take a fresh outlook to our approach. What are we good at? What is it that you can do better than anybody else in your area? 
If it's repairs, you triple down on repairs. If it's custom, you triple down on custom. If it's retail, you've got the killer deals and you've got the connections and you're able to deliver retail. You're good at marketing. And I think we have to really focus on what we're really, really good at. And the other thing is um, we've enjoyed a lazy approach to comp- to competing, to, to competition. And by that I mean we just felt like we competed with each other. And us independents aren't competing with each other. We're competing with Amazon. We're competing with Blue Nile. We're competing with Sam's Club, Costco. Okay? So, that's that's the mentality and the game face that we have to have. Can you kick Amazon, Costco, um, the mall? Can you kick their butt on repair and custom? I mean, that's not even a fair contest. The word, the, it, absolutely you can. But they're eating your lunch at the retail counter. So, you really got to sharpen up and look at every category. We don't have to do anything, but the suggestion is... We sharpen up and look at every category of our business and we focus on what we can what we can deliver the best on. If I have a rain in my case that is significantly more money than what they have at Costco or what you could buy on Blue Nile or whatever, I lose. And making a case that I'm better than them because I say I am is weak you know that that is not um, retail Darwinism okay that is not survival of the fittest making excuses customers aren't going to accept that forever I mean you have people that are going to do business with you because they like you and they want to do business with you and they don't mind paying a comfort charge. When you go to Sam's Club, you, you're you lucky to get waited on. You know, nobody's there to explain anything to you or hand you a bottle of water or clean your jewelry for you. Okay? So, customers accept that. There's a difference and there's there, there can be a premium, but... 10%, 15%, you know, there's a ceiling to how far that goes. And guys, if we can't make keystone on everything or triple key on everything, that's the reality we got to operate in at the retail counter. Two, what's the condition of our store? What does our lighting look like? The number one thing that I see when I go into your stores is how much your lighting... The number one thing that needs attention in the stores that I go into is the lighting. Your store needs to be brighter inside your store than it is outside. And there's just simply no way around it 
you just have to allocate some budget and do it. Um, I also think that decluttering, um, you know, modern, modernizing your store. The stores that are successful, the really stores that are successful that I go and see, they don't have um, clutter everywhere, catalogs everywhere, um, stuff everywhere, okay? The stores that are successful are streamlined, efficient. Um, the customer doesn't have to walk around case displays to, to get to the checkout. You know, everything's thought through so that the customer experience is efficient and concise and pleasant, you know? We just can't be a nice guy and have a store and order stuff for people from our vendors. We have to offer more than that. And some folks maybe are not up to that challenge, don't have the effort or energy it takes, and that's okay. But understand that this is um, a shakeout of all shakeouts, and it's happening right now, and there is a path for success. And it is not a path that's unattainable to us. We have to get out of our heads, we have to get out of our bubble, and we need to go shopping. We need to go window shopping. We need to go to stores. And we need to... I don't care if it's a candle shop. I don't care if it's a dog food. I don't care what it is. But go shopping. And find out what those experiences look like. And what you like and what you don't like. And emulate that in your store. You know? But do it. And do it as soon as you can. Make that a priority for 2020. I mean, I know we're all locked and loaded for holiday, and it's hard to do anything beyond what we already have in front of us. But we got to start thinking about what are we going to do to improve our business for 2020. Anyway, I think I'm going to put a pin in it uh, right here. Man, I so appreciate the support. I've had people reach out to me. Hey, Chuck, we haven't heard from you in a while. And um, just know that I'm not um, I'm not gonna talk just to hear myself talk. you know I, I really take inspiration from conversations with you guys and what I see on the road and you know if there's any feedback or anything reach out to me if you're able to to subscribe to the podcast that would be phenomenal and um, that's it. I appreciate you bye bye. Hey everybody, it's Charles Marks, Marks Jewelry Company, and it's been a little while since I've done a uh, episode here from inside my car, and things have changed for me, and I have, as some of you or most of you know, I am no longer on the road as a jewelry wholesaler, and for those of you that are new uh, to this, I used to sell jewelry to jewelry stores. Uh, cover seven state territory for about the last decade or so and uh, I now have a retail store in beautiful Wentzville 
and I'm going to be changing my track of discussion um, to that basically um, I still may talk about things that are relevant to the inside industry um, and my earlier podcast episodes they're pretty much exclusively uh, for that audience so anyway <clears throat> that being said um, the thing that I kind of want to talk about today is the bridle and you know I don't know how many times I've said this how many times I haven't said it if it's been heard if it hasn't been heard but we're gonna do it again and it used to be that you had a budget or you signed up for signed on for financing and you bought whatever the hell you could afford and it wasn't cheap all right and ugly stones a lot of them were sold mostly by the mall jewelers and the bigger chain stores okay and they would do the uh you know 1999 carat solitaire or whatever the deal was of that day fast forward 2021 um technology has evolved we are in a new world and there is literally a death to a funeral if you will for ugly diamonds ugly diamonds no longer need to exist um, they no longer need to have a place on you or your wife's uh, jewelry jewelry is bought for personal adornment it is not an investment if you truly are that wealthy that you have to get creative and look for extremely rare items of high value then there are stones that would qualify for that but that's a whole different ball game that is not something you're going to buy at your local jewelry store damn sure not for an engagement ring um so we have a lot of options that we never had before and the industry is hesitant resistant to some of these i am not i am kind of all about what makes sense what's pretty what works and we have the natural diamond which we're all familiar with it's rare it's beautiful and it's it's expensive especially a pretty one okay you can buy ugly ones and you can read the grade on the paper and the grade on the paper might indicate a pretty stone but that doesn't guarantee the stone itself is pretty two you have lab-grown diamonds and the way I like to explain the difference is I say you can go to a frozen lake and get a chunk of natural frozen ice or you can create ice in your freezer it's the same thing it is a diamond it just has zero rarity value no rarity value whatsoever right now it's about 40 cents on the dollar of a natural diamond 
And right now it takes a $7,000 machine for me to be able to tell the difference between a lab-grown diamond and a natural. So the opportunity here is if you have, say, four grand to spend, you'd be hard-pressed to get a pretty one-carat diamond, natural. Um, you could be looking at a carat 30, carat 50, extremely high-grade, gorgeous stone for that kind of money. Okay, um, that's pretty compelling. Don't care what you think, don't care what you say. Side by side comparison, it's pretty damn compelling. Um, the third option is a stone called Mosinite, and Mosinite is a lab grown stone, it originally came to us from a meteor. It's taken a hundred years for them to get it to the point where it is now. And it's beautiful. So we've had other stones that have mimicked the appearance of diamond, right? But the problem is none of them were durable. None of them had the hardness that diamond has. Diamond is the hardest substance on the planet Earth. Your wife, your bride, is going to wear that stone every day of her life. Rain, sleet, snow, shine. Okay? Not all gemstones can take that kind of wear. They will get abraded. They will get scratched. They will get chipped and or broken just through the course of wearing them over time. Okay? Diamond is 10 on the hardness scale. Ruby and Sapphire are the next hardest at 9. Okay. Mosinite comes in at 9.5. Game changer. Um, we are a Supernova Mosinite dealer. Uh, Supernova and the Forever One from Charles Colvard are the best. Period. The Supernova is cut in a different, uh, I'll say, facet pattern. To bring out the best optical property and value of the stone mosinite. A lot of commercial mosinite is cut just like a diamond, which isn't what brings out the best of that material, of that stone. So $650 a carat um, includes setting, includes labor. Um, you have a gorgeous option. So between the three, you can have a pretty ring made of gold with diamonds in it as accent and a gorgeous center stone that's going to be durable and last and is going to, she's going to love, okay, of those three options. Um, we do not have to accept an ugly stone. Uh, if something is down in color... I don't need to make excuses for it. I don't need to try to sell it to you. They used to give us uh, sales training when a diamond had a, a big inclusion that you could see with the naked eye. Uh, try to find something that that inclusion looks like. Oh, that, that inclusion looks like a teddy bear, you know, or whatever, right? Sorry, that's over. that shit is over, okay? No more. Um, funeral. For ugly stones not doing it and I just think that it's a great time to be in the market for an engagement ring 
Um, my job is to make you look like a hero at or below budget. And the other thing that we're not supposed to do, according to our quote-unquote industry training, we're not supposed to ask you a budget. We're just supposed to discover it by showing you the most expensive things we got. I ask you, what range are you looking at? What is your range, your comfort level? What are you wanting to spend? And I start showing you the options. And then if you want to change it because you need to see more options, then we'll change it. But uh, that seems to be working good. And um, I'm getting a lot of referrals because of that. If uh, you're hearing this and you're not in my area or you're not comfortable working long distance through the, uh, through the mail and so forth, I could certainly link you up with somebody in your area that could help you out. Yeah, any questions, please respond. And um, look forward to doing more. Um, podcasts um, aimed at uh, aimed at the uh, general public. Okay, thank you.